Today on the show, we will be talking about racial justice in terms of equity, diversity, and inclusion, and examining the implicit biases that we all carry around that we may not be aware of. We're being joined today. I'm really happy to have Liliana Cabrera. Liliana works with the Planned Parenthood of the Columbia and Willamette, and she's also on the board of directors of Out Central Oregon, a great uh, LGBTQ plus advocacy and activism organization. And we're here to, to talk about um, equity, diversity, and inclusion, as well as implicit biases. So Liliana, welcome to The Point. Hey Bruce, thank you. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, very happy to have you back. Um, it's it's always it's always a pleasure to have you. It's too bad we can't do it in person, but uh, I guess we're all getting used to the telephone these days. So uh, we want to talk about these issues, and I know you do a lot of work in this area, in the area of equity, diversity, and inclusion, and implicit biases. I was thinking maybe we could start by describing the work you do as a as a lead in to talking more about these topics. Sure. Um, So I am a supporting consultant with Allyship in Action as well, um, doing some equity, diversity, and inclusion training, and then doing some consulting with individuals, um, groups of folks to support their work in their organizations to recognize those opportunities um, to really address equity and diversity and inclusion um, across the organization. So one of my first education sessions around equity, diversity, and inclusion is EDI across um, the organization and making it a culture, a part of the culture of the organization. All right. And can you tell us a little bit about Allyship in Action? Yeah. Allyship in Action um, is a training organization uh, led by Leanna O'Neill, Karani Mitchell, and Aaron Rook. Um, They saw a need for local training, and it's really important to have folks really from the community who understand the community to be able to support organizations in in this community um, to meet the needs that are relevant um, rather than bringing outside folks and also um, having folks that hold identities that are diverse, um, whether that's racially or sexual orientation or identity, it's really great to be a part of a group um, that um, holds us as leaders in this work um, rather than seeing, you know, the same, you know, white people doing this work. Right. And the terms seem fairly obvious, I think, to a lot of people, but can you explain what equity, diversity, and inclusion uh, is and means? Equity, um, so when we think about what is um, equitable for folks, so meeting folks' needs that are self-identified by themselves as an individual, as a person, or as a community, um, shifting the way that we look at what fairness and equality are, um, because we know that just because everyone receives the same thing, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's equitable, even if it's equal. Diversity is absolutely um, the vast array of differences um, across us as human beings, in our identities, and how we show up and how we engage with each other in differences. Um, and inclusion is just ensuring that everyone um, has has a place and feels welcomed and is authentically um, welcome in different spaces as well. All right. And I'm putting you on the spot here, so <laughs> sometimes I do this, as you probably recall, but uh, I know I feel like people struggle with the difference between equity and equality. Uh, can you give an example, or, or equity and equal, right? Uh, can you think of an example that would illustrate that difference? 
Um, the example that comes to mind is the the image that a lot of us can see um, in trainings or even if we Google equality versus equity, and we see um, three folks who are up against a fence and there's a baseball game on the other side of the fence. And these three folks are different heights, different genders, and different abilities. And so equality would be giving everyone a box to stand on top of um, so that they can see over the fence. And so what equity really is, is really meeting the individual and offering them and providing them what they need. So if somebody is tall enough to look at the fence, over the fence without a box, they don't need the box, they don't get a box. If there is a person next to them who um, doesn't have the height to see over, then they get two boxes. Um, if someone is using a wheelchair, they would get a ramp. So they wouldn't even get a box. Um, so... Equality is everybody getting the same thing versus equity, everybody getting um, what they need and what's appropriate and identified by the individual who has the need. That was a great explanation. Thank you very much. <laughs> right. Sure. Uh, that really was. I'll use that because I get that question sometimes too, out and about. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've seen the I've seen the illustration. It's really good. So, all right. So let's move into the concept of implicit bias. That's kind of an academic, somewhat academic, I guess, sounding phrase. Can you talk okay. about what that is and why that is important to understand and analyze? Totally. Um, so an easy way to think about implicit bias is they are thoughts about people or groups of people that um, you don't know that you have. So they're unconscious and automatic, and it happens when and you don't notice that it's happening. So sometimes we try to base these thoughts or these biases or try to base them or justify them against our own values of beliefs or just logic. Um, and what we're really doing is justifying that bias rather than questioning it um, or where those values or beliefs come from or even our value of objectivity. And so being able to notice and recognize it is really important because when we operate from a place of bias and we don't recognize this and we don't know this, we're participating in the perpetuation of this cycle of um, discrimination, prejudice, inequity, and we noticing it. And so um, it becomes a problem when we start to, if we hold a position of power and we are making decisions that are impacting other people and we're making those decisions based on our own uh, thoughts, beliefs, and values without questioning them rather than basing them on what we were just talking about, what the needs are that are being presented by the individual, by the group of people. And I wonder if a good example, uh, and this is something I, I hate to admit, but I've actually done in my life, um, is the person sitting in a car at a crosswalk and a black man walks through the crosswalk and the white person reaches up to make sure their door is locked. I've seen that. I've heard about that. I've actually done it. It's been a long time since I did it, back when I was living in Houston, Texas. Um, and I just wonder, because that, that's something that's uh, it's automatic, and I just wonder if that's an example of an implicit bias, because it's not conscious, right? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, I mean <laughs> a little bit, um, but I think sometimes um, a little more a subtle kind of thing is thinking about who we sur surround ourselves with, who are our closest friends. So we don't necessarily choose them based on how they look, but for some reason, oftentimes they very frequently look like us. Um, so 
So that one is a little bit on the subtle side, but um, what you're talking about is probably something that what we've been told or what we've seen projected about groups of people that make us feel a certain way. And so it's still a part of implicit bias because we've internalized this message to make that, you know, really quick, you know, we don't even really understand that we're making a decision to go over, lock the door, roll up the windows, those kinds of things when somebody that, you know, we've been told stories about is close to us in our car. Okay, great. I'm trying to tie these two together. I am assuming uh, that the equity, diversity, and inclusion trainings you do include this idea of implicit bias. They do. Um, so we, sometimes we'll address it directly. Sometimes it's um, it comes up when we're talking about things like microaggressions. And I, I had heard a previous episode with uh, one of my good friends um, when y'all were talking about... Um, what casual racism, where it's those implicit biases that are showing up and they come up in these microaggressions. Um, and so when we're thinking about equity, and like I was mentioning before, we're, when we are in a position of power to make decisions or create policies or practices, um, they're often written from the perspective of people with privilege and power, people who hold their um, their values and beliefs and haven't questioned them as far as whether or not they have bias in those spaces. And so it's important to start at a, part, uh, a place of self-reflection and thinking about implicit bias and uncovering what some of those biases are. Um, and there are tools online. The one that's been used most frequently is the Harvard Implicit Bias Test. And folks can Google that, and um, there's a variety of different tests that people can take of different aspects of identity. But being able to get started and approaching this um, from a point of curiosity helps us to be less defensive and more open to really digging a little bit deeper um, around where our biases are and what is influencing them, where are they coming from, and then allow us to recognize that these projections about different groups of people are coming from our families, our parents and elders, um, our friends, um, people that we care about, our social circles that might replicate some of those thoughts. It's easier to point things out when we see things in like the media and the way the media frames things in movies, TV, cable news. And then some of us will be able to even look further and look at the way we are um, socialized in the United States to think about the history of the country and how we're educated in the education system, how history is taught and by whom. And so it's just looking at this one small aspect of implicit bias starts to unravel a lot of things for us. So I think that's the importance of it because it is starting this journey of self-reflection that leads us into deeper um, and and some of the more um, difficult equity work and prepares us for some of that later on. And if this is an irrelevant topic, let me know and we'll move on. But it seems to me you, you mentioned looking at these things with curiosity as opposed to looking at them with judgment. And I wonder if that's, a, if that's something you address, if that's important. You know, I feel like this could be um, a bit more of a focus um, in, in some of the work that I do when we're thinking about how we internalize this work, um, because I think that it is an alternative to feeling the shame and guilt. I mean, shame and guilt are important because they 
trigger something within us to say, I'm recognizing this, I don't like the way that this feels, and I need to make that change. Um, and some of us will feel that, but some of us will feel like the guilt that leads into defensiveness and wanting to double down. And so approaching this from curiosity gives us a little bit of that space to be more reflective and be gentle with ourselves um, and recognizing, you know, and being okay with taking accountability for um, how we show up and how we are complicit in different things um, because then that allows us, again, more curiosity of how can I change and how can I not be complicit? What feels um, like the next step for me or the next action that I can take to move into um, deeper work and, and work that affects and impacts and supports and helps and lifts up and amplifies um, all the things that we need to um, move forward into a socially just world. I am so glad you're here this morning, Liliana. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is really good stuff. So what types of organizations, and I understand the answer might be all types, but um, what types of organizations can benefit the most from this uh, equity, diversion, and inclusion training? Um, you're right, all, all types okay. of organizations. Um, uh, like I mentioned earlier, you know, all of us in the roles and positions um, and um, organizations that we do work in, we're all in different places of, of this journey. And so for some folks, um, some groups, some orgs, they're going to be early on and see a lot of work ahead of them, um, but we're consistently, constantly evolving and growing and refining um, and learning and making mistakes and doing better. Um, but I would definitely encourage um, folks that are in, in organizations that are impacting large groups of people, social um, service organizations, so everything from, I'm sorry, <laughs> health services, I already mentioned social services, absolutely education, youth-serving organizations, um, because working with our youth, they're seeing everything that's going on, and um, as they are seeing organizations that are doing really important work and they feel good about being a part of those things, and they can continue their that work as um, they move through adolescence and into adulthood um, because they are really leading a, a lot of the work and bringing us as adults uh, along with them. Yeah, um, but yeah, all organizations really um, should take a moment to reflect, see the work um, and opportunities that exist for themselves to, to come and do better work um, mm -hmm. for the folks that they are serving. Right, uh, great. We just have a little bit of time left. Um, if people want to connect with Allyship in Action, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, so on our website, um, Allyship in Action, I'm, I should know this. Um, I think it's .org, but I'm going to verify that. But you can Google Allyship in Action or a local central Oregon-based organization. Leanne O'Neill, like I mentioned, leads that along with Karani Mitchell and Aaron Rook, and folks can get in touch with any of them or myself. And so it's actually allyshipinaction.com. Okay. Great, allyshipinaction.com. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. So thank you so much, uh, Liliana Cabrera, for joining us again on The Point. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Chris.